You're listening to And what is poppin', my friends? It is Thursday, April the 21st, 2022. It's 42122. Um, I don't know if that has any meaning for anything, but uh, my name is Marvia, and you're listening to episode 101 of the Good Pop Culture Club. Joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American, Jess Ju. Hello. What up, Jess? Uh, I feel like I just need to make random ambulance sounds like, wee, wee, wee. <laughs> I don't know. Did shit just get real? Wait, that's a raw know, Michael this, Bay movie. I feel like this movie kind of melted my brain, but like in a good way. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, it's very visceral. Also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Win. Hi. Han. Are you glad that we made you watch the most high culture <laughs> of films for this episode? Look, we, we cover it all here. We, <laughs> we covered an amazing film that everybody needs to see last week. And then there's this film. So <laughs> I think everyone should probably try to watch this. <laughs> OK, so um, let's just rip the bandaid off. This week, we're talking about the new Michael Bay film, Ambulance. Probably the most Michael Bay film to come out in recent years um it is real dumb shit but um man okay let's not get, we'll ahead get to of, it let's not get ahead of ourselves we're gonna there's plenty of time to discuss this piece of cinema <laughs> yes <laughs> um but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through this week uh let's start with jess what's popping so in the direct opposite of the testosterone fueled Michael Bayness of Ambulance. I have been watching on HBO Max the newest season of the Great Pottery Throwdown. So for those of the uninitiated, Great Th- Pottery Throwdown is basically Great British old school Great British Bake Off when it was still good. Uh, but Ooh. on ceramics. It's very <laughs> lovely. I think ceramics people are even more soft boy, soft girl, soft non-binary person than even bakers are. Quite literally the loveliest bunch of people. It's like if you had a cast where it was mostly pensioners and like one young person. Because you know how in like Great British Bake Off you have like mm-hmm. the cute, fun token pensioner, like the cute mm-hmm. old person. No, like ceramics is a world of pensioners and they're all like kind of gay <laughs> and not kind of gay they're a lot of them are very gay very non-binary queer like they're living their best life and it's lovely and there is the best part of the show is that there is no paul hollywood instead <laughs> instead we get um two very lovely judges uh keith who is uh keith brimer jones who is like a i guess british ceramics person i don't know they could have told me he was anything i would have believed it. i don't know but he cries when he gets these great work because he's like wow that's beautiful and he cries a lot and it's it's quite lovely <laughs> uh so he's like the and when he cries it's like the anti-hollywood handshake the ha- the hollywood handshake is disgusting now nobody wants it we don't want Ew. it yeah it's disgusting it's 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 gross paul hollywood is gross he needs to lay off the self-tanner Keith Brimer Jones is like the platonic ideal of a what Paul Hollywood wants to be, which is like a lovely judge who cries at beautiful art 
And yeah, they have like, but format wise, it's very similar. They have like a big challenge and then they have kind of like a technical challenge. Um, the big challenges this year are kind of wild. They had to build a urinal this year. <laughs> a what? A urinal. Like, yeah. Actually Last year they had urinal. to build a toilet and it has to be like artistic. Um, and it's so entertaining. And unlike, you know, Bake Off where it's like, oh, you can't really tell like what's tastes good or not or if it's dense or like you can look at a pot and be like oh, that's a nice pot or like wow that's a really nice sculpture you did a good job or like oh that broke like mm. you kind of like that broke um so it's very lovely check it out there's the newest season is out i think there's five total on great british bake up not on hbo max right now and yeah it's very lovely really makes me want to go to stoke on tent which is apparently where all the pottery happens in england now, I remember you bringing the show up last year. So 2022 season, better or worse than last year? How's it looking? I like this one better because it's really going to be dependent on your cast of characters. And this year has a lot of great contestants. There is like this one older lady named Lucinda with like bright red hair. And she's she's a hoot. She's a hoot. <laughs> I love her. And then there's also a... um a non-binary contestant, uh, AJ, who is also... They're just really fun, you know? They're fun pe- folks. And I think... I don't want to spoil, like, who gets it. But, like, towards the end, it's, like, very lovely. The contestants are very lovely to each other. At one In one of the challenges, one of the... um, You know, it's always, like, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You can do everything technically right. But, you know, the kiln... The kiln sometimes has other ideas. So it's very dramatic in that case. They, like, <laughs> remove the hesse and they're, like... <gasps> Like, oh my god, it's beautiful. Oh no, it broke. <laughs> and in one in one of these challenges, they have to like build their own kiln to fire it. And then they had to like put all this organic material in and they had to do like a self-figure, like a self-portrait oh. out of clay, or like some like sculpture out of clay that represents themselves. And then like one of the one of the contestants pulls hers out and she's like so moved because she's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever made. And like, she gets emotional, starts crying. And the other contestants just like start hugging her. Like, yeah, you should be. It's beautiful. Like, this is absolutely beautiful. Like, this is so nice. This is so nice. I really want to do pottery. If not for the actual pottery, then just the vibes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard though. I tried to throw, I went to like one of those like one and done classes, like you make a bowl. My bowl sucked and I was very bad at it and it was very hard, but it was fun. So I would love to take more pottery (laughs) classes. Awesome. All right, Han, what's popping with you? Um, So a couple things. The first is something that I think we should all check out. It is the Abercrombie and Fitch documentary on Netflix called White Hot. The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, very dramatic uh, headlo- uh, title. But, you know, it's part of it is I think anyone who kind of lived through the 90s um, and wasn't like a baby um, <laughs> is probably aware of how big Abercrombie and Fitch was as a clothing brand. Um, but not and- in size because I could never fit an Abercrombie and Fitch. No, shirt. they were well, only no- for skinny bitches. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, well, that's the point of the documentary, which is it was a huge clothing brand, but it didn't actually uh, wasn't available to a lot of people. And part of it was sizing, um, but also part of it was price. And also part of it was racism. 
<laughs> and, so and, much racism. and discrimination. And that included the people who were working for them um, in their stores, behind the scenes. Um, and it's a really good uh, documentary in that it it shows a lot of that. You know, it probably could have even gone deeper. There's there's like so much mess for Abercrombie and Fitch. But um, one of the reasons that, you know, this could also be very interesting to our listeners is friend of the podcast, part of the potluck. Uh, podcast collective, Phil Yu, angry Asian man, um, is a talking head in this because his sort of origin story is related yeah. to Abercrombie and Fitch. We can say that Abercrombie and Fitch created angry Asian man. Yeah, put him on the map. Very specifically, they had a whole line of fairly offensive T-shirts. Very um, offensive T-shirts, uh, <laughs> which some of them was like one more, one more for the road, and they had like a donkey and a sombrero. Um, and in particular, when it comes to Phil Yu or Angry Asian Man, um, it was one about the Wong brothers' uh, Chinese laundry. laundry. Yes. Yeah, two Wongs don't make a white. Oh yeah, or something similar to that. And so he basically got angry about it and started speaking up about it. So you get to see him there. I I think there are other things that, particular to me, that I found interesting because there was a reporter who uh, got invited to the Abercrombie and Fitch campus. And um, and the guy who run the CEO, Mike Jeffries, who was a piece of work. He's the reason why it became so popular in the 90s, but also the reason why it exploded. <laughs> so um, so he got a lot of, you know, talked a lot to this reporter. And then after the guy did his visit, they were like, uh, they don't want to be part of this interview anymore. And so he couldn't actually write it for the publication where he was. So he actually wrote it for Salon. And so that was my biggest, my first tip was, why is this old 2006 story like getting a lot of readership on Tuesday? And it was because <laughs> they literally had our masthead and that headline and everything um, on a screen grab for the uh, documentary. So that story is still doing well for us, by the way. Congratulations. Really, yeah. the ROI on that. Fantastic. <laughs> exactly. And I had nothing to do with it because I wasn't at Salon at the time. Shh, shh, but, but still... You know, um, it, that, that ad was, revenue it, goes on your budget next year. Sure. <laughs> it's a culture story, I'm sure. And um, but anyway, so that that is very interesting. But you can hear all about all the horrible things they did, especially, you know, there was a class action lawsuit against them. There's so many things. I don't want to give too much away, but I just it was great also because they play all the 90s hits uh during it so you get you hear len and you hear um <laughs> and you of course hear the song by uh the the people who have the abercrombie and fitch song um oh new I kids like, on the block no no i like hits yeah yeah and then i like girls who wear abercrombie and fitch Isn't whoever that, the lfo lfo, LFO, LFO. yes LFO. yes is there the one with one. that racist line about Chinese food? Yeah, it comes oh, right after yeah. Amber Crombie. Oh, fish. of course, <laughs> of course. But also that that's all of a piece now, right? Like we, um, Abercrombie and Fitch has a huge image problem. Even though they've tried to change from that, they have a new CEO. He he stepped <laughs> down. They're now super inclusive, but no one can see, seem to get past that. No, um, no, the Gen Z do not care. Yeah, Gen oh, Z do not care. True. True. They were a lot of Abercrombie, and I was like, no, no, no. You know I why. was raised in the it's fire because the they have no culture. Back. Yeah, and they have no culture. Um, <laughs> but I have been raised in the fires of that time, and I refuse to this day to wear Abercrombie because it's like you can change, but do they ever apologize? Yeah, no. They they du- doubled down. They dug in their heels. I think current CEOs were or say something like, 
oh, in the past, they definitely had to do whatever. And so they say, but they weren't part of that group. So, so they can look back and say, like, that was wrong, but they're like, that they didn't do it. So they don't have to apologize. So when do we think, now that Abercrombie & Fitch has a bad CEO story in the news, when does the bad CEO drama get made of this? Of the oh, Abercrombie my God. Uh, I think we can look for it on Netflix also next year. Uh, because they probably are already casting yeah, it. Yeah, they're going to do a dramatized version of narrative drama version of this. I mean, we got Uber, we got We, we Work, we, work, we, we work. got What's Her Face, Theranos. Yeah. yeah, all of it. So uh, this is great because it'll just have so many, like a, a sea of bodies of like topless men. Who will play Phil You? Oh, <laughs> we should just get Phil. Um, if they're smart, <laughs> well, they have to they have to do like twenty years younger, Phil. Right? They can just give a little bit of a like a CGI, different eye. Iri- yeah. We're gonna Irishman Phil. I mean, he's not that different looking. <laughs> I know, but but I feel like <laughs> Phil would be the first person's like, please cast someone hot. Yeah, like I mean, cast Chris Pang to be me or something. Oh, oh, he'll just get some of those people from the Netflix Golden, you know, group. Yeah, like I see more of like maybe maybe a Hayden. Hayden Sito or, uh, oh, or uh, Harry Shum, maybe. Harry Shum. We got to go Korean, though, right? Like, yeah. yeah true. But Harry Shum's, like, not that young. Let's so. just give him Daniel Day Kim and get it over. Yeah, right. <laughs> just random Korean <laughs> guy. Daniel Day Kim in, like, early 2000s Phil hair <laughs> with his, with the Phil Fohawk. Uh... Anyway, so th- so that is the thing that um, I do recommend. Although there's this other thing I watched on on Netflix, and it's very popular because number one right now. Uh, so I feel like I need to mention it. It's Anatomy of a Scandal. David E. Kelly and someone else wrote it. I'm sorry for not remembering the other person's name, but that's they they might want to divorce themselves from it because it's not great. <laughs> it is based off a novel, and it is going supposedly going to be a uh, an anthology series. So maybe there's a different scandal every season. We shall see. But it has a great cast. So uh, Sienna Miller plays uh, Sophie. She's the wife of a uh, MP who is played by Rupert Friend. And mm. then Michelle Dockery of Downton Abbey fame Ooh. plays a, uh, a a barrister. So she gets to wear the little wig. So the thing I love about it is it has great cast. It looks great. So like it's very well put together. Um, you get to see the courtroom scene. So you get to see two people in wigs. You know, um, and doing that. The whole British wig thing is like hilarious to me. I love that they like do that. Um, what it is, though, is I'm trying to not to give things away, but it's so ridiculous. Um, so the central case is not ridiculous. It is about uh, Rupert Friend's character who, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. But uh, he has a an affair with one of his underlings. And that affair ends. Then she says their last encounter was actually rape. So that is what the case is about. It is rape. So that's not the fun part, obviously. Um, but then there are many things. Uh, there are very odd stylistic choices made to show how much people are affected by news. So like when Rupert Friend gets the news that he's being accused of rape, he literally looks like he's being blown away by a, like a, a wrecking ball. Um, <laughs> and there are many other stylistic things like that. Uh, there are also many, many flashbacks to their college days when he was in a group called the Libertines, who obviously were bad guys. <laughs> like, And they did a lot of bad things um, and got away with things. Uh, there's a huge twist that you can see from episode one. There's a very cheesy ending, an ending line. I don't want to give it away, but once you watch it, then just Google it 
And we have ri- <laughs> people have written about that ending line, <laughs> which, <laughs> which does not sound great. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> which my which one of my writer mentioned that could have belonged in a Die Hard movie. <laughs> so anyway, um, a lot of people unironically liked it and just thought it was fantastic. It's like you know British and it was thrilling and whatever. I was just like. It was so well put together that I think they got like bamboozled. Yeah, they, they they think it's good, but I was like, if you look at actually what happened, it's not great. <laughs> so. Also, like honestly, let's be real, the British of it all. Like, if you do this in American mm-hmm. accent, you're knocking it down like two, three stars. Yeah, this makes it so much better because it's British <laughs> accent, and they're great actors. They sell the ridiculousness of it. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it, but is it actually good? Uh, it, it's problematic. Um, wow. um, yes. Yeah. So anyway, just letting you know, those are the two things I watched on Netflix recently. Um, decide what, what you're in the mood for. So that's me. Um, Marvin, what's popping with you? All right. So as our listeners may know, um, when I want to put something on TV to relax to, um, I usually turn to anime. Um, it's my guilty pleasure. And so we're about three weeks into the spring season of anime. And um, I wanted to um, highlight some of the shows that I've been watching, one of which was a surprise. And actually, um, I ended up subscribing to a new streamer service just to watch wow. it. Yeah. Wow. So uh, <laughs> anime fans may know that a few months ago, Sony, who had already acquired Funimation, um, also bought Crunchyroll, which was the other big streamer. And so we had the two biggest anime streamers consolidating. And so I thought, great, that means I have one less service to subscribe to. But unfortunately, the consolidation of the two biggest ones allowed the number three streaming service, High Dive, to elevate itself. And also, um, you know, because of the consolidation, lots of rights going back and forth. So certain shows that I was excited about Certain shows that I heard about are now exclusively on the streaming service High Dive, which means I had to subscribe to a new service. But that's my problem. That's neither here nor there. Um, the show, uh, the show I wanted to highlight is a show called Your Boy Kong Ming. It is a it is a musical comedy, I guess, kind of sci fi fantasy, um, in which the main character is Kong Ming, which, as we know, is the courtesy name of Zhuge Liang, the um, famous strategist for Liu Bei from the Records of the Three Kingdoms. Zhuge Liang was famously played by Takeshi Kaneshiro in the movie Red Cliffs. Ooh. Oh, okay. You should have just led with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's Marvin? famous for being like like a very crafty strategist. Like he's very into like mm. mind games and, you know, like Romance of the Three Kingdoms is all about just strategists, like just mind fucking each other. Right. And so. I want T- Takeshi Kaneshiro to fuck something, <laughs> but not with his mind. <laughs> so the premise of the show is um, Zhuge Liang, um, Koming, dies in um, Three Kingdoms era China at the end of his life and gets reincarnated into modern day Tokyo. And so um, he gets reincarnated. He gets reincarnated into his younger self during Halloween Shibuya. So he's among a lot of people dressed up in costumes and it takes him a while to realize that he's not actually in hell um, and goes on some adventures and eventually finds himself in the company of a young up and coming amateur singer named Eiko. And being moved by her voice, he decides to become her manager and decides to use his years of military strategy and tactics to help her succeed in the battlefield that is the music industry. Wow, that's great. That's a really good use of his skill. Yeah. I feel like Carly Rae Jepsen needs that. <laughs> Ooh, yes. And so it's a really funny show about like fish out of water. Think like Kate and Leopold, 
But instead of like a charming British man, you have a cunning Chinese strategist who uses his strategic mind to help his artist, you know, attract an audience, build her career and destroy her competition. Um, also, he becomes a really good bartender. So you have made me curious, but I do not want to sign up for another streaming service. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm going to have to hope that it goes somewhere else. I mean, it's a musical show, so the music is great. Um, the mm-hmm. opening is a banger. It's basically a cover of mm-hmm. a I think it's a Turkish Euro pop song. Uh, um, Jess was like, what? Yes. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, oh, it's Greek. It's a Greek Euro pop song. Mm. Um, oh, my God. There, There's a so trashy. I love it. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's only three episodes in so far. So if you do want to watch it, maybe wait like maybe nine more weeks and then you can get a free trial and then check out the whole series. Um mm. And the other show I wanted to talk about is Spy Family, which um, if you're an avid fan of anime, you probably already know about this show. It's probably going to be the number one show of the season. But the basic premise is um, the story takes place in a alternate universe version of um, Cold War Europe, where you have a Western power and an Eastern power vying for control in a Cold War. One of the sides sends their best spy named Twilight to infiltrate the other country. His mission is to infiltrate a boarding school uh, where he is to keep tabs on a high-level politician and find out whether or not they are planning to start a war. And so in order to pursue the mission, he needs to somehow acquire a wife and a child. So he adopts a kid from an orphanage and he engages in a fake relationship with another woman who needs to um, have a fake husband slash boyfriend in order to fit in with society. And the three become kind of like a found family. Um, The twist is the wife is actually a master assassin for the other country and the child is a telepath. What? what? Whoa, whoa. I was like, oh, like Americans. Like, no, not like the Americans at all. I think I just got bingo. Oh, my God. (laughs) The the, the child is a telepath really through me. I was like, oh, cool. Assassins. That's like a really interesting fake relationship. And then it's like, but the child, you might have said, but they're wizards. So the child is a five year old who thinks it's really cool that her parents, her new parents have like secret identities. And it's just. Um, it's just a lot of fun just watching these three people try to like keep their secret identities hidden from each other. When one is a telepath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty fun series. It's a comedy action. So um, there's a lot of great laughs, a lot of great hijinks, and a lot of really amazingly animated action scenes as well. So yeah, um, Spy Family, that one's available on Crunchyroll. Um, so if you want to check that out. All right, that's what's popping for this week. Um, before we get to Ambulance, um, <laughs> we do need to check in with GoAsian. Um, our weekly podcast within the podcast where we recap the latest season of Top Chef. And it's a sad episode because we just lost our second Asian in a row. Um, mm-hmm. Pour one out for Joe, who has been struggling um, mm-hmm. over the last few weeks and finally just, you know, made one too many mistakes and had to go home for, what did she make? This bad? Um, uh, it was a quail. It was a stuffed quail, which was too dry. (laughs) And then she had extra carrots that were glazed, that were barely glazed. Um, And it was so sad because she was the biggest Jurassic Park fan. And this was a Jurassic Park themed challenge. This was our, every season you have a movie tie-in, right? Two years ago was Trolls. This year. Yeah, but that was only a quick fire. This one was a little, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, bravo. I get it. You're owned by NBC, Universal. You got to. horizontally integrate but i'm just like oh my god this is like this is this is a little ridiculous yeah i i remember seeing the ad for it last week and i was just like 
how does Jurassic Park fit in with anything? And I was very happy as a Houstonian to see they were at the Museum of Natural Science because that is a uh, rite of passage when you were a kid to go there for, you know, everything, but also a field trip. Um, and they do have some really great dinosaurs there or, you know, the uh, the fossils. I did so. think the challenge of making food according to like a dinosaur's perceived diet was an interesting mm-hmm. challenge. Yes. Yeah. Some of them took it well, I thought. And of course, our favorite, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jackson. That man. The, that Yeah. The, the like, COVID man strikes again, once again. Well, it's like... <laughs> Seriously, people, you are tasked with making something about dinosaurs. You need to have some fun with it. And um, while some of them were highbrow in the way they approached it, and it's worked for some, didn't work for others. I was very happy with Evelyn again. Yeah. You know, um, she's been doing really great. And uh, uh, H-Town Girl and um, apparently made an amazing sweet potato foam (laughs) Um, or at least not foam, but aerated puree. Um, so yeah, that was, that was great to make it airy for the Quetzalcoatl, you know, bird, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel bad for Joe. I, writing was on the wall. She's been having a few bad weeks. And so this one just, it seems like she has been struggling with both conception and execution. Um, so, uh, having a dry quail and everything else on the plate, not being great. It's a little sad. Yeah, uh, I but mean, also the 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 team on the bottom was the Asian team, right? Buddha, Jay, and Joe. Yeah, um, but Buddha was fine. Buddha was fine. Even he though- had the immunity to. He won the quick fire challenge, which was Nigerian food, which is interesting. I, I'm not familiar with Nigerian oh, food. Me neither. I want to try swallows now. So yeah. first of all, whenever I go back to Houston, I will definitely try it. But also, <laughs> I'm like I've been looking to see if LA has a Nigerian food. We have Ethiopian. I don't know if we have Nigerian. Yeah, we have yeah. Ethiopian, which is totally different. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I have not been introduced to swallows at all, which was fascinating yeah. to me. <laughs> I'm also worried about Jay because she mm-hmm. seems to be like she, when she she's, understands the challenge, she's great. But when she gets like flustered, it seems like she just doesn't adjust yeah. well, which, you know. she, she She's inconsistent, I think. Um, she definitely has skill. But I think also when it comes to conception, sometimes she just doesn't get the brief and then she just tries too many things. Um, yeah. So, like, I feel like if she did half of what she had done, she did lamb two ways. Lamb one way would have been enough. <laughs> one way. One way is fine. Right. And perfect that one. Because I think the meatballs ended up being okay. So if she just got the meatballs perfectly and then had, like, cabbage or something, yeah, would have worked. Well, it's just Buddha and Jay left. Um, I think yeah. Buddha has – Buddha seems to be firing on all cylinders. Yes. Um, he's probably like pretty like unless he royally screws up i think he has smooth sailing because he's able to conceptualize on a higher level as well which is really Mm -hmm. important in the later stages um Mm -hmm. jay you know hopefully she gets on a roll still rooting Mm -hmm. for jackson and you know i'm excited that uh, Mm -hmm. you know um nick and damar are also doing really well as well yeah Yeah. i like them um I will say, I really hope that the winners this time will actually get to go to a movie premiere. Yes. The Trolls World Tour disappointment. <laughs> because never happened. I mean, that, not that they really cared, but at the same time, that a season movie premiere. That season was rough because not only was one of the prizes the Trolls World Tour premiere, another prize was what, the Olympics that got canceled? The Olympics. Yeah. 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 They, they'll be able to attend it, I'm fairly certain. Yeah. You know, it seems like. Uh, no matter what, people are just attending things anyway. I mean, mask offs on planes now, <laughs> right. so you know we're yep. we're we're back to normal. 
I mean, press tour is going to be in person this this summer. So I mean, we're all triple jab. Being vaccinated, yeah, basi- being vaccinated helps. And you know, Han and I were able to withstand the just plague. So I already got it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean the uh, the the uh, spicy Asian mustard must have helped. Yeah. Um, I, I I read somewhere, and I need to double check this, but it seems like some people might actually be resistant and never get COVID. So it might actually be a genetic thing. So I'm hoping that's me. But I don't oh, yeah. Know. Yeah. No, my one friend, uh, his girlfriend got it twice. Mm-hmm. No isolation. He he fine. <laughs> yeah. So there are some people who are resistant. We um, need to. Uh, he needs to be like, you know, like in the zombie movies, there's always someone immune and we need yeah. to like steal their blood and experiment on them. Yes. To, like, yes. Let's <laughs> yeah, experiment yeah. on people. Um, yes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! I don't know if that should be the official stance wait, of the that? Good Pop Culture Club. That's the takeaway. A hundred percent. We should, we should experiment on people. We should <laughs> sacrifice his blood for. I well, I'm actually very pro. Like, yes, the the we should to, the people. to no, save humanity. <laughs> but yeah, so all those movies where the whole basis is like we can't sacrifice one person. For, I was like, why not? Jess is definitely the um the ends justify the means type of person, you know. Yeah. We, uh one hundred percent. Don't is- don't pick me to be in your zombie crew. <laughs> I will sacrifice you. <laughs> Back to Top Chef. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're down to two Asians left. Um, I will confirm that Joe did not make a pass in Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, so okay. now it's just down to Buddha and Jay. Um, and we'll see how far we go. Next week is the Great Equalizer. It is. Restaurant Wars. Restaurant Wars. Ooh, this is going to be Speaking good. Speaking of sacrificing people for the greater good. I might just have to watch my screener then because <laughs> I might want to watch that ahead of time. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to drive around the streets of Los Angeles where an ambulance can be chased for hours without any traffic or stoppage. <laughs> this fantasy land where I want to live in that Los Angeles. Um, we're talking about Michael Bay's ambulance. When we come back. We're still here and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week, we're talking about the latest film from Michael Bay called Ambulance um, or Ambulance, M-U-L-A-ance. <laughs> the L.A. is really emphasized because get get this, guys. It's set in L.A. What? what? Starring Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Yaya Abdul-Mateen as um, brothers who try to rob a bank and it goes sideways. And so they have to escape in an ambulance. I mean that's pretty much the setup. Michael Bay explosions happen, and it's a uh, it's it's a dumb dumb time. Um, Jess, I can't believe you convinced us to watch this movie. <laughs> it was a 
good time. I mean, okay. I did get sick. I got so, I got so I got, sick. I could, which was okay, not pleasant. Yeah. We all know about the Michael Bay hero shot, right? Like the spinning shot okay. that's in every single Michael Bay movie. But in this film, there is there's a there's a scene where it's a conversation between Jake Gyllenhaal trying to convince Yaya to go on a heist with him. And the entire scene is just five minutes of spinning. It was a lot of spinning. Um, so, so like spinning on all planes, like vertically, <laughs> like against buildings, like over cars, under cars, through buildings. It's it's. It, so for those of you who do not know the background, Michael Bay basically was like, what can I do? Because he's Michael Bay. And he's like, what can I do now that I couldn't do before? And he's like, drones. Drones. Got it. Drones. That's the pitch. And he apparently found like this 19 year old drone stunt driver, like the like the world championship, this 19 year old kid and was like, all right, you're going to shoot my movie. I was and wondering. It exactly looks like a movie where he gave a 19 year old a drone and was like, let's do this. Let's do this. I was actually Which wondering. Is, I don't know anything about this film, so I didn't know. I, I was like, how do they do the CGI for this? But I didn't realize that it was actually. So you're telling me it's it's race drone flying, pretty much. It's race drone flying. They they use this camera. I was watching. I was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, how did they do this? So apparently, so I was like doing some research. Apparently, literally, it's a drone. And the, the kid is like wearing a VR headset. So he could see what the drone, where the drone's flying. And then he just flies the drone. And then Michael Bay's like, this is what's going to happen. I want you to drive the drone under the car. And then the guy's like, okay. And Michael Bay's like, you have one day because I can only blow up this car once. And so he's like, I'm like, so what? I'm very impressed. It was definitely kinetic and definitely visceral. I had a, outside of the physical sickness I felt from watching some of these shots, I had a good time. Han, what did you think of Ambulance? Okay, so I always get motion sick with um, action movies, so I always have to, like, take precautions, sit far back and whatever. There was no way I could get away from being sick for this because it wasn't just the drone shots. It was the shaky cam. So when... So, okay, first of all, this is a heist-gone-wrong film, and you can tell it's going to be a heist-gone-wrong film because they did not do the getting the band together. Um where you know you you're gonna love no, these people. No, instead, yeah. what they did was, have I ever steered you wrong? Yeah, talk, yeah. Which we know so, it's gonna go wrong. Yeah. So once it goes wrong, it goes wrong for a long time. <laughs> so there's <laughs> like a lot of chasing, a lot of shaky cam. I was just like, Bleh, you know, like the whole time. So it and then and then I have to like recover. So I listened to this film for a lot of it, <laughs> and um and then I and then I went to the bathroom because I figured I wouldn't miss any plot. And then I came back um, about like an hour left. And um, look, I did enjoy it because I love films where really great actors do really dumb things. Dumb shit. Yes. Get that paycheck. Whatever. Um, And I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is a really great actor. He can do anything. But also I adore Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Second, the second. <laughs> and I think he's such a good actor. Um, and them playing brothers, <laughs> which is as dumb as you may think it is, because it was kind of like adoptive brothers, but kind of not. Anyway, yes, adoptive brothers. Um, no, they're real brothers. You, yeah. And, and and did I get this right? Was their dad a bank robber? Yes, yeah. <laughs> the dad, LT, was a bank robber, and he was super badass. And then so Danny, who is Jake Gyllenhaal, 
kind of goes into the family business. But then Will, who is Yaya, is like, no, I'm not going to go down that route. So it becomes Marine. Um, so it's all about these brothers who are kind of like on the opposite sides of like how they approach life. But he, but then, you know, Will has to get pulled for in for one last heist. Well, he has one to pay job. for his wife's cancer surgery. Yes. 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 Uh, insurance won't pay because it's experimental. So, yeah, it's one so last really, job. So really, Michael Bay is making a uh, poignant observation about the state of healthcare, healthcare in yes. our society. And therefore, he sets it in an ambulance. <laughs> Yes, in this in this essay, I will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a stupid, stupid movie! Like we've seen this story done better elsewhere, right? The like the well, the veteran who yeah. needs healthcare going. It's like John Q was this movie, right? Yeah, I also think that they really wanted to kind of get that Fast and the Furious thing going because of the the family, the brothers. Yeah. Um, and then like gone in uh, sixty seconds type of type of feel, right? Yeah, yeah. there there's there's some of that trying to get it down. So it's none of it's none of it is as good as any of those things we just mentioned. But it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> it's and I Yeah, it's good dumb fun. And it's just a reminder that Michael Bay has made a lot of really great dumb movies where he made he made The Rock, he made um Armageddon. Armageddon. If you're gonna talk about having extremely talented people doing saying mm-hmm. the dumbest shit mm-hmm. and making it entertaining as hell armageddon like it does not get better than <laughs> armageddon which is in the criterion collection by the way i have to say i like old school michael bay better because he didn't make me vi- uh motion sick as yes. much i i do have to say the last time i was so motion sick was one of the transformers films because they got our auditorium wrong so we ended up having to sit in the front and I literally didn't no, watch. Them. I couldn't no. watch the screen. I, mean, I listened yeah. to the whole Transformers film. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing, right? Like Michael Bay has gotten a bad rap because of those Transformers sequels, which were all pretty universally terrible, right? Yeah, yeah. The first one was fine. The first one was fine. The, the sequels okay. were all like the sequels they gave him kind of a bad reputation um, as like a bad director who makes bad movies. Um, and then Bumblebee is on its own. Level. Yeah, um, but like maybe this is kind of like a follow up to. Um, are everything ever all at once talk which is maybe franchises are the problem maybe when you release <laughs> a person from the limitations of a franchise they're able to make original cool dumb shit like ambulance again yeah yeah i guess chris fedak was uh was one of the writers on this and he's he was like from um chuck and he did a bunch of other stuff that's pretty good actually so he has a good sense of humor when it comes to setting up ridiculous situations in action um, so I think that's probably one of the reasons why I don't want to say the script is why it's successful, but partially. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is a, I mean, this film was like a throwback to like your late 90s, early 2000s, like action film, right? Like, I think it's the closest thing these days to maybe like a B tier action movie, right? Because it's basically just a bunch of action tropes thrown together. It's the action scene mm-hmm. from Heat. And it's like, I don't know, Mad Max Fury Road, but with an ambulance. Right? Yeah, uh, I mean it's speed, right? This is yeah, and it's speed. speed. Yeah, because speed with drones. Yeah, because they can't fall be- below a certain speed, or else the police will catch them. That's um, not but true. They, also- they do go pretty slow when they need to do surgery on the ambulance. To- but uh, that's my second part. I have to say, I adored was all the stupid medical stuff happening in the ambulance because <laughs> because there's a cop who's been shot, which I don't think is much of a spoiler. And of course, in order to keep him alive, because that will keep him as a good hostage, um, 
they they have the EMT who's played by Aisa Gonzalez um, keeping him alive. And at one point, surgery is required. <laughs> surgery? Like major surgery. Like we're not talking about like, oh, no. remove a bullet. Like they need to remove an organ. Yeah, they, they, need they need to get to an organ to and feel around. a bullet from an organ. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. It's not like a tertiary wound. It's like like they're going in a major <laughs> organ in an ambulance, which if you know anything about EMT, they are not set up to do that. No. Ambulances are set up to get you to a hospital where people have the equipment and you're in stable ground with professionals to do it, right? Like EMTs yeah. are just there to stabilize you. Yeah, but... And, and again, I don't think this is really that much of a spoiler that, that there is technology involved in helping her figure out how to do this surgery. Um, there are many, many, many coincidences that are all fantastically ridiculous in this movie, including how the specialist in bank heist robberies and the FBI happens to know Jake Gyllenhaal's character. So of they course. went to college together. They of went to college this, together. This film kept introducing new characters like an hour yes, into the movie. I'm just like, I'm like, how are there so many layers of law enforcement? Like, yeah. oh, we've met everyone's like, nope. He's like, absolutely oh. not. We're introducing someone in the third. Act. I like how they kept just throwing out these. It's like, oh, is he SIS? No, he's not SIS. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but it's fine. All right, fine. So <laughs> the grizzled white captain of the SIS, like the, the anti-bank robbery force. Maybe this is just me like getting confused by all like the grizzled white dudes now in these films but like i thought he was timothy oliphant for the longest time i mean i know who timothy oliphant is fairly well and so that's why i knew it wasn't him but i understand why you would say that because no, he's the guy in brooklyn 99 he, he, he's, he's gary he's, dillahunt i know him as yeah. the, one of the terminators from the sarah connor chronicles that's how i know him from. <laughs> i mean he's been in a bunch of stuff so i actually recognized him but um i think it was uh let's see was it raising raising arizona I, right I, I, no 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 not, no raising hope raising hope yeah raising hope i yeah. did not know that was his name he yes he was in mindy project mm-hmm. i i, I yeah. did not know his name was garrett dillahunt he was just <laughs> that dude yeah that dude which makes sense um, but I, I quite like him. I I don't understand the plot with the dog, which is fine. I don't need to, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it went somewhere in another version think, of yeah. the film. No, I, I just I just think this Michael Bay movie. Michael Bay this wanted is one big dog. Movie we're talking yeah. about, guys. This is one movie. <laughs> Michael Bay wanted big dog for a fart joke. That's I, all. I, that, I, that's I, the entire reason for that dog to be there. I do know. I do know that Michael Bay has in real life once had a dog that he named Good Speed. Uh. Which is the name of the Nicolas Cage character in The Rock. Just FYI. Mm. Fun fact. Mm. Um, I also love the fact that um, that Garrett Dillahunt's um, captain was just wearing USC gear the entire time. Like this film is yes. very, yes. very like I appreciated how it was like a middle finger to everyone who thinks they know L.A. What What do you think he majored in? in US? Communications, obviously. <laughs> Do you, do you think that was like his undergrad or do you think he did like grad school? I, I think he was in like uh, liberal arts. <laughs> I think we all know that in L.A. you don't have to go to USC to wear USC gear. Uh, That's true. But like, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was his day off. That's why he had the dog. Um, so that's why he's wearing that outfit. <laughs> so like he rolled in that tiny ass. I mean, OK, the yeah. joke of the captain of the SIS with the giant dog rolling in the tiny car was kind of funny. I mean, yeah, but also why? It's fine. I yeah. don't really need to know why. I'm just saying it. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I did love all the L.A. native talk dunking on mm-hmm. the non-L.A. native character who is like the FBI man, right? 
Yeah, but it's also they like really knew LA, like to the point where I was, they were like, oh, you need to take a right on Flower. And I'm like, okay, so that's downtown, but like, where are they? And it's like, wow, okay, you really know this place. Or like the, uh, when they were making fun of the FBI guy for never going east of downtown. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now that is very true. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yes. Which is where both Jess and I live, east of downtown. Yes. I don't go west to Korea town. So, you know, yeah. very different vibes. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember when I first moved to L.A. at one of the parties I attended um, and I was living in Glendale at the time. Uh, someone said that I was geographically undesirable. And, Whoa. And, and that is when I learned that people don't drive to certain places in L.A. if they were in wow. one place. So I thought that was fascinating <laughs> because coming from Houston, you kind of just suck it up and just drive wherever. And Houston's like sprawling. Um, but I like. Yeah. So now I'm just like, wow, some people really just don't go places uh, fascinating to me. I mean, like sometimes I get tired. I don't want to drive too far, but usually I have been to most of the places in my life. <laughs> so, all right, um, Jess, I need to get your read on Jake Gyllenhaal's character here, channeling I peak just, Nick Cage. I just, I'm just like, is Jake Gyllenhaal okay? <laughs> like he's great. He's great in this movie. He's eating it up. I can like tell he's having a great time, but also like I feel like there's been a lot of discourse that Jake Gyllenhaal has been like unhinged since he did Zodiac. Um and he's really leaning into his villain era with uh, Okay, so like again, old enough to remember Jake Gyllenhaal was like a very Yeah. like like a leading romantic man, like very in this very like wholesome like was the intellectual gal's choice. Like, you could have been a Jake Gyllenhaal gal or you could have been, like, a Leo gal, but Leo was more, like, he was cliche and he's, like, the pretty boy, but, like, you know, like, if you wanted to read and, like, do Sunday crossword puzzles, you were, like, into Jake Gyllenhaal and, like, he is just with the whole Taylor Swift thing <laughs> and then every role he has taken since Zodiac, he just plays, like, these unhinged men and... I mean, this is a little more camp, right, in that mm-hmm. sense. But I'm just yeah. like, are you okay? Yeah. I, You know, it's interesting because you're right. He and his sister, Maggie Gyllenhaal, were kind of like the indie darlings that they both, like, took really important and interesting and sort of thoughtful projects. And so their roles were going to always be something different. And then now it does seem like lately they're very intense roles like i watched the netflix one where he was like a cop on the uh the 911 line uh mm. the guilty and it's just it's like he does a great job because he basically it's just him on the phone the whole time um but it is tense it's 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 a butt yeah. clencher and yeah. Um, yeah well just like my form of jake gyllenhaal was like bubble boy i think that's the first yeah, time i saw him yeah. in and then was a big fan of oh, Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> yes. I uh, love that movie. You know, yeah. Brokeback Mountain, which is still fantastic. very, you know, yeah. ro- fantastic, very romantic, very yeah. tender role. Um, And then Proof, where he's, you know, romantically the opposite Gwyneth Paltrow in this, like, drama. And then but, and then it kind of starts, you know, then he yeah. does, like, Zodiac. Um, I mean, he did get a start with Prisoners. Donnie Darko. Prisoners was intense. Oh, Donnie Darko. Donnie yes. Darko, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and then even like in Spider-Man, he's like this horrible, like uh yeah. villainous guy. Well, like yeah. Nightcrawler, Nocturnal yeah. Animals, right? Like yeah. all this in, in like Spider-Man, which, you know, drones, really full mm-hmm. circle here. And then now I'm just like, yeah, okay, we're 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 embracing the uh we're embracing the intensity, my dude. Yeah. I it's 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 but it's also a testament to how good he is that he can really re- deliver these ridiculous ridiculously bad lines 
when it comes to being a villain in this yeah. movie. It's just interesting because I just do think someone as handsome as him, like you would expect him to stay more. I'm glad. I guess like Paul Newman, right? Like Paul Newman Redfordy. Yeah, I'm glad he's I, doing I, stuff. Yeah, actually. Redford might be his. Isn't Redford his like Godfather or something? Um, but yeah, so it is interesting, kind of where he's he's use you know he's kind of playing against type. It, it does seem more fun to be honest to be playing these unhinged characters. Uh, very. I won't. I won't. I don't think he's as good as Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. But also, Nick Cage is not, and Nick Cage is not as handsome as Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, Nick Cage has always been kind of. Should have been a character actor. Um, he was so a romantic a, lead once. <laughs> I, I I understand that, and I understand that he was good in those. But like on like, my mom liked a, him a lot. Yeah, as a feminist issue, I'm very against men who are like just objectively unattractive being seen as attractive romantic leads. I don't care how charming you are. Like it's just not fair. Like I will never ever believe Billy Crystal as a romantic lead against Meg, like a 24-year-old Meg Ryan. Right. I don't oh. care how good you tell me when Harry met Sally is. I do not care. It does not make sense to me. My my mom really likes Nicolas Cage, and I think it was his look. So it just really? might... It, okay. Yeah, I think it just might be certain certain crowd who's really into him. I liked him as an actor, so... I mean, yeah, yeah I love Heart, him as an actor. Yeah. Very interesting text. Always interesting, but I'm just like, he's not mm. hot. <laughs> he's not hot. <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> but Jake Gyllenhaal is um, and he's yeah, I just it's, you know, good for you, Jake Gyllenhaal. I hope you have a very good therapist. <laughs> maybe Which it seems like you do not because maybe what, this is what he suggested. <laughs> do a movie with Michael Bay and he will out crazy you. And that will yeah, solve all yeah, your problems. Basically, take all of the the roles that the you want to yeah, live vicariously through these characters and like kind of work them out. Yeah. I think it's a good exercise. And then, you know, rake it in also. (laughs) Oh, man. I will say, um, and I don't know if this is just, I didn't notice it, but you know how Michael Bay is like, he can't help himself sometimes. He has to put in like the booty shot or like the the sexualized shot. Like Mm -hmm. there was a surprising lack of it for this film, right? I'm so glad because as gorgeous as Aisa Gonzalez is, they never objectified her really in any physical way, which was fantastic because she was instead... The really, really uh, serious EMT who didn't know how to do relationships, but um, and who was just very yeah. I mean, her character's still paper thin, but you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> at least yeah, yeah. she was. Yeah, it's progress. It's progress. It, it, it is. Michael and, and honestly, I was fine with that. They didn't try to make any romance between her and any of the characters. Oh, thank God! Right? I was really afraid of that. So honestly, I I found it refreshing and I was happy about that. She was pretty much the only char- female character who that who got really any plot except for the wife, um, which was barely. But she's the sick wife. Right. She's the sick wife. Well, she and then there's some um, there was a nice sassy, you know, lady helper. I don't know the, what, what the roles were. And she was fun. But again, no other thing except for being a sassy person. Um, oh, she was giving so, sick burns to like the the non yeah, yeah. Uh, FBI Exactly. Agent. So you know she was fun, but I to the for the life of me, you know, like the the only real female character was the EMT. So um, yeah, yeah, I I was very happy about that. And honestly, you know what? Hey, everybody, did you enjoy it? You didn't miss it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss the objectification. Right. So there you go. All right. So as we wrap up our discussion, is Ambulance 
good <laughs> pop. I can't believe I'm defending Michael Bay. But yes, it is an original movie. It makes some crazy ass stylistic choices with some it's it's stupid but it's casting some of the most talented actors of our of our current you know hollywood class making them do some wild things and you know what i will as as much as like i understand in my heart that michael bay is probably like a terrible person to know personally or work with or like um, again not really not trying to defend michael bay here but if there is one more like the rock in him or another like armageddon in him i will keep supporting him because i need that in my life yeah i i would say yes just because this is what you classically probably would have considered almost like a tentpole movie um, in the summer. And so it's a summer movie, just a little bit early. Um, and it's exactly just like a beach read. It's like all of those things that you want for escape. It's totally fun. Um, I still say watch everything everywhere all at once first. <laughs> and then you can watch this uh, as a sort of an amuse, uh, like a, a palate cleanser. So um, because that's a very deep movie. And so you kind of just want to turn off your brain after a while. Um, this is good for that. Yeah. I also think this is good, dumb pop. Sometimes you just want to watch a dumb action movie and no one does that better than Michael Bay. And out of his you know, recent catalogs, it's probably one of his best outings in like the last decade or so, right? Yeah, yeah, because he's been making Transformers <laughs> movies for the last yeah, 10 years. Which, and most of those I didn't watch. Um, and I do have to say, not w- looking at the screen for about half the movie, I still enjoyed it. So <laughs> that tells you something. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of just taking a dumb concept and, and stretching it to the limits. Yeah, yes, of- <laughs> me too. 100%. As long as you commit to it and lean in, just like with Jungle Cruise, it's like you kind of have to. Otherwise, it's kind of half-assed. Don't care. So this I one, think, it, they did I it. think some of our tradition, I think the canon of great action films is dumb idea played with 100% mm-hmm. speed, s- sincerity, yeah. and 100% camp. Like yeah. the the Nicholas Cage trilogy, you know? Yes, yes. Like The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. Face yes. Off. Come on. <laughs> like, I need more of those. Like, I, I'm gonna not going to lie. I would rather watch 100 Ambulances than a hundred like I'm sorry, like a twenty-four slice of life. Like, no, I I cannot do those slice. Those are boring. Give me a fucking drone shot that flies under a car. All right. Uh guess let us know what you think of ambulance. Um you can follow us uh the show at Good Pop Club. Uh Jesshan, if people want to follow you two on social media, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at just you tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. And you can find me at Marvin Yeah, uh, We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Um, I don't do this often, but if you are enjoying our show and it seems like more and more people are tuning in, which is wild after 101 episodes, um, leave us a rating review on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, it does help us out. And, you know, we... You know, it would be nice to have more listeners, um, but but like only good reviews because I'm sensitive and I will cry. <laughs> well, so be nice. Negative things you can just leave that off. You don't need to like. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Good Pop Culture Club. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.
Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. 